Welcome to the Vol Bros, the first episode of the Vol Bros for 2024. This is my brother Brew, and we are two Vol Bros who are actually bros in real life. And man, oh man, uh, <laughs> it is a big day. It's been a big mm, 36 hours if you're a Vols mm -hmm. fan. Um, so we have quite a bit of things to discuss this evening. We are glad people are already joining us, and, and we already got comments streaming in. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, it has been a wonderful day to be a Volunteers fan. Uh, real quick, the basketballs just finished up playing. 37-point uh, win over Norfolk State. Rustin, what were your thoughts about what we just saw before we get into football? Because we got a lot of football to talk about. I thought they did a really good job of, um, you know, they had a long layoff. They took a lot of days off, so they came out a little flat. Um, but I thought they did a great job of shaking off the rust and um, they finished the first half on an 18-0 run, and then it just kind of escalated from there. Um, thought Toby Awaka had a heck of a game. Thought Jemai Meshack had a heck of a game. Those two guys just need more and more minutes. I, nothing against Jonas Adu, but I would love to see them flip Adu and Awaka and just start Tobey Awaka every game because he gives you an immediate toughness. He gives you an interior presence right off the bat that opens up every shooter. And then bring Jonas Adu as a change of pace, speed guy that can give you some instant offense off the bench. But I just love the way Tobey Awaka is playing right now. He finished with a double-double. Um, the, the guy's just an animal. He, he gets every rebound. He's tough around the basket. He can score. He just brings so much to the table. Uh, huge night for Scott Ziegler. Five threes. Um, just really, really great uh, night for him. Um, I think they finished the first half on an 18 nothing run. Yeah, finals, final um, seven minutes. That's that's always good. <laughs> when you can go on an 18 nothing run against a Division One basketball team, it's pretty good, especially Norfolk State. Norfolk State's good. Uh, they, they're in the tournament almost every single year. Uh, they cause some havoc in the tournament when they get there. Uh, that's a good team that, that Tennessee just beat pretty handily. Um, another guy that played really well that it's not really going to show up in the stat sheet, but if, if people wait and look at the plus and minus, I'll bet his is going to be really high. JP Estrella gave them some really good minutes. He played very well. Um, did a lot of little things. Well, great passing, um, great screening, created a lot of shots. Um, just did all the little things well. And when coaches watch back tonight's game, they're going to be real happy with him. He, he was, he was, he was doing all the things that you would ask a freshman to do, but they don't always actually execute. Well, one of my takeaways from the game that I was going to mention, whoa, Hey, Papa Jake coming in with the heat right there. 999 super chat. Thank you very much. He said, uh, great teams in basketball, baseball, and can't wait till this fall is going to be fun. Amen. I totally agree. Uh, thank you so much for that super chat. You are very kind. Thank you very, very much. Um, one of my main takeaways from the basketball game tonight was they got so many minutes for so many guys. Yeah, uh, that that was really, really important, uh, especially you know down the stretch when you got to rely on who knows who in March. You know, Lord forbid if somebody gets injured and other people have to fill in, you know that kind of stuff. Um, but that, that was huge that they got so many minutes for so many people. That was, that was really good. And it was quick too, uh, right there in the first half, like they were coming in quick. Barnes was sending people in within the first two minutes of the game. He was seven people in and he went pretty deep in the bench pretty quick. So 
that was good to see. It was good to see so many folks get some minutes. Uh, my player of the game, if I had to pick one, would be Zakai. Who would be your player of the game? So I would give an honorable mention to Jemai Meshack again. Every time I, I get... I would love to see his plus and minus after this game because every time the guys on the floor, good things happen. Um, they just seem to play at a different speed and with a different toughness when he's out there. It just looks like a different team. Um, but I would have to give it to Tobey Awaka. I mean, he he walked out there. I, I bet he didn't play 21, 22 minutes and got a double-double. Um, you know, he was just – he was all over the place. And when he gets his chances, he converts. It's it's fun to watch him around the basket. He just they can't keep him off the boards. So I didn't even think about this beforehand, but my orange solo cup matches our facade here on our, our live stream. Um, it's all that matters. Shout out to our mom for bringing that to our house yesterday. Rustin and his <laughs> kids and our mom came over yesterday, watched the game, and my mom brought orange solo cups for. It was it was great. It was a great party for the solo cups. Um, let's see, what was your play of the game? So I love and and Rick Barnes runs this play all the time, but they always seem to pull it out the absolute best moments. I loved the ball reversal against the zone backdoor screen by JP Estrella. He's the one who set the screen uh, alley oop dunk to Dalton Connett. They executed it to perfection. Perfect pass from Zakai, perfect screen Bingo. from JP Estrella. Like it was just you you can't draw it up any better. Yeah, I totally agree. That was my play of the game, too. As soon as it happened, I was like, oh, that's gonna be my play of the game. <laughs> um, I mean, it was it was beautiful. And and you hit the nail on the head. That pass by Zakai was on the money. I mean, the, the timing of it, and, and you know, part of that timing is Dalton, obviously, but uh that was really, really nice. And so that, that was my play of the game as well. So huge win from the, the basketballs. Uh, now we move on to SEC play, uh, but huge win uh, for the team coming back from a week and a half off. That's uh, Ricky and I were talking about that earlier today. That's not an easy team to come back from a week and a half off against. It's not somebody you can just roll the, roll the guys out there and go win. They had to play well, and they did. And so kudos to them for that. Uh, let's see a couple of comments coming in about basketball and then we're going to turn our attention to football. Elijah said, was this the most balanced game of the season for the basketballs? Oh, I guess it depends on how you want to define balance. Um, as far as most people contributing, if that's balanced, then yeah, I would say so. Um, if you're talking about just most or best game offensively and defensively, I'd, I'd say the Illinois game. Was, yeah. was the best one. Um, that's that's a great question. Uh, let's see. Uh, God Guns Name, a welcome, buddy. He said, what's up, fellas? We're great to see you, man. I'm glad you're here. Uh, let's see. Um, Elijah said, for basketball, we should have scored 100-plus. So many missed open looks. Um, yeah, I mean, that they there's always going to be missed open shots, but you're right. Uh, sometimes this Tennessee team does seem to miss more than their fair share. Um, oh, he said, he said as far as like amount of players uh, contributing, then yeah, I would totally say, I mean, they hadn't had this many people playing all, all season. I mean, other than like, you know, 
John's School for the Blind or something. But no offense to anybody uh, who might be blind. I, I don't mean that at all. Um, yeah, so we had, we had 12 guys score tonight. Yeah. I mean, that they got, they had so many people coming off the bench. It was great. Uh, so I'm going to let Tony, uh, transition us into our next topic because he was our first <laughs> comment of the night. It was fantastic. basketball. Didn't make it very far. It did not. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Tony, welcome. Tony, glad you're here. He said the beast is back. Brew. Huge news uh, yep. this evening. Brew McCoy announced he is returning. Uh, if I had to have put money on it, that was going to be where I would guess what happened. But that is huge. Um, that is absolutely huge. Uh, what What is your immediate thoughts about Brew returning? So two things. Number one, we were the front runner for Evan Stewart, which I would absolutely love to have Evan Stewart. But how incredibly deep is your receiver core when you're able to tell Evan Stewart, hey, sorry, we don't have a spot for you. Um, <laughs> that's a really good problem to have. And, yep. you know, number two, Chris Brazell has to be the most excited individual on the earth tonight because yep. he gets to play on the opposite side of the field of brew. He had over 700 yards receiving this year at Tulane with really nobody else around him that was overly scary. So he was getting a ton of targets and getting open with really no help. So to know that Brew's going to be on the opposite side of the field, he's going to get so many one-on-one matchups, and he's going to have a huge year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is tremendous. I mean, is it fair to say that Tennessee's win-loss probability just went up by a game? By oh, I guarantee you Vegas, Vegas is scrambling some numbers right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean that like that is a tremendous because this year the 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 thing that Tennessee really lacked was a go to third down receiver that you know if you throw anywhere in the same zip code as that dude he's gonna catch it and that's Brew and he's back and and that is a huge deal absolutely huge deal uh, and not only him Chris Brazell is that guy too like we now have one on each side of the field that are of that make and that's. They can, again, I hope they do it. I hope they do it. Take the tight end off the field, go four wide, (laughs) put Dante Thornton in one slot, squirrel wide in the other, and have Brew and Brazell on the edges. Holy cow. The the opportunities and the options are unlimited. If they do that, you're looking at 6'4", 6'5", 5'10", 6'5". And and the six five and five ten both run sub four fours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that doesn't stink, you know. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> and that, and then and then you still have a five star and four four stars on the sideline waiting to come in the game. I mean, like, good grief. Yeah. Uh, Several of which played really well against Iowa, and um, you know everybody's already raving about Mike Matthews and Braylon Staley. Mm-hmm. I think everything I'm hearing is I, I'm not so sure Nathan Leacock's going to be around for very long because he seems to be the odd man out. We're hearing every name but him. That's 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 fair point. Fair point. Uh, let's see. But Billy, welcome, Billy. He said, I heard about Brew. Isn't that wonderful? Absolutely. It is. Elijah said, so happy to have Brew back. Absolutely. Um, let's see here. Uh, I'm going to go through all the brew comments first and then we'll come back and go through 
the other ones. Um, Robert said, glad Bruce coming back in with Matthews and Nico 2024 is going to be awesome. I totally agree. Uh, I loved the tweet by somebody and I tweeted it. I quote tweeted it and said, numbers don't lie. Uh, they said 2024 is the year of Nico. Two plus zero plus two plus four equals eight. I say you can't argue with it. So uh, numbers don't lie. So 2024 is the year of Nico. Um, and how hilarious was it trying uh, the, the dude presenting the MVP trophy, trying to pronounce Iamalayava. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, Iamalava. <laughs> Oh man, I was like, I, I'm sorry, buddy. You, it was brutal. It was brutal. And, and what's and bad it, is, you know, before he walked on that stage, somebody ran over it with him, and they were like, "It's like this." Yeah. And then he got up there and <laughs> just destroyed it. Yep, absolutely. Um, let's see. Any other? Uh, do 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 do. All right, so that's all the Nico comments. Anything else you want to say about Nico before we move on to the football game? Nico or Brew? I mean, Brew, sorry. <laughs> um, like I said, just it, it immediately catapults us to a top 10 national program. I mean, it's it's a game changer. And there's yeah. games there's games that were on that schedule this year that maybe we were kind of going, eh, I don't know, it's a 50-50 now. I'm not so sure any of them are a 50-50. Like we've we've got a puncher's chance in all of them. Yep. Um yeah. The only two games now that I mean, obviously Florida and Oklahoma, you're like, eh, but it's Florida, but there's they should beat them. Like they should beat Florida, yeah. they should beat Oklahoma. The only two games now that everybody's really circling on their their uh calendar are Alabama and Georgia. And that's the way it should be. Honestly, that's the way it should be. Um, Oklahoma won't be as good offensively as they were this year. So, I mean, and this year UCF beat Oklahoma like a drum. So, um, and Florida's, there's no reason. And Florida no reason Neyland. not be in the playoff next year. We're not in Gainesville. We're in Neyland. Yep. Uh, so there's no reason to miss that college football playoff next year. Especially if they're only if if they end up ten and two and their only two losses are Georgia and Alabama, I mean that that bodes really well for them. Um, I tell you, Michigan showed everybody the recipe for beating Alabama. Though it's going to be interesting to see what Bama's going to do about how badly Michigan exposed them. Um, they can't cover a back out of the backfield back if it's running against the grain. Um, their middle linebackers, who were supposed to be responsible for running backs, kept getting lost in the shuffle. And all night long, I mean, that's that's how Michigan made hay all night was just every time they needed a big play, they would just run it back in the flat against the grain. All the receivers would clear out. The back would come in behind them and be wide open because the middle linebacker would be stuck in the middle of the field. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Alabama does about that moving forward because they got exposed. Well, speaking of backs who can catch the ball in the backfield, let's transition to the Citrus Bowl uh, from yesterday. And Tony's going to kick us off with this one, too. He said, Dylan Sampson better learn how to pass block. Going to get Nico Hurt in the SEC. I think that's a totally fair point. Um, yep. It's not even so much he needs to learn how to pass block. He needs to understand his responsibilities. 
So on the two different plays, I went back and watched it. And on the two different plays, when he got Nico blown up and both of them were Dylan Sampson's fault, he's, he's got a responsibility of if it's third down, number one priority is make your block. Number two priority is get into your route. He was avoiding the block to get into his route and, yeah. and just completely usurping his primary job. Um, and yeah, it's it's an easy fix. They'll they'll Jerry Mack will get him on a film room and show him, hey, first down, maybe you can get away with that. Second down, kind of get away with that. Third down, you've got to get the block. Like it's it's not a question. You've got to hit your block. Yeah. So let's talk about that game yesterday. What were your takeaways from that game? The citrus bowl. Um, I thought our makeshift offensive line showed early. They were a makeshift offensive line. Um, I thought the coaches did a fantastic job scheming away from them, um, and creating ways to, to move the ball in spite of them. And I thought they were, that was really impressive. Uh, I was incredibly impressed with our defensive line. Everybody's going to rave about James Pierce and James Pierce played extremely well, but so did Amari Thomas, so did Bryson yes. Eason, so did Joshua Joseph, so did Elijah Simmons, so did Tyree West. Like yes. Our defensive line showed up, and people got to remember, that Iowa offensive line has three or four guys on it that are going to end up in the NFL. And our defensive line manhandled them. I mean, it was, it was really impressive. Um, everybody has to be excited about the future because every one of those guys is back next year. Like, it's... Yep. It's going to be stout. I totally agree. Um, the hype train is going to be running off the rails this summer because I mean, how could it not? When you see what they did yesterday defensively, when you see the people who they have coming in, uh, when you think about offense, oh, my goodness. God, the offense is going to be I, – I, I know we were saying this after the Orange Bowl last year, but, I mean – how, how can you not be excited about the offense for next year? Um, it, well, especially as we'll be not just watching Nico in a full-time role, we'll be watching Nico in a full-time role after an off-season strength program that's going to add 10, 15 pounds of muscle and maintain his speed. And I, I feel like, and I hate to make this comparison, but I feel like we're watching a young Lamar Jackson. I, I feel like we're going to see – that progression continued to take place. And when he gets a little more muscle on him and a little more speed on him, and he runs pretty well now, but um, when he's when he's in a college speed and strength program for a consistent amount of time, he's going to be scary good. Yeah, one thing that one of my takeaways from the game yesterday was I loved uh, the multiple different looks that we showed in formations on offense even lining up under center and power football. Uh, you know, Rustin and I were sitting there watching the game, and we said, you know, we were thinking the same thing, and Rustin said it out loud. They were beating Iowa in, at Iowa's game. Like, they, they were lining up in the power power formations with one deep back and uh, two, you know, multiple tight ends at times it seemed like, you know, and a uh, bunch formations and, and just putting it on them. Uh, like dominating them on blowing them off the ball, and uh, again, I mean, how can with, you not be excited about that with a makeshift offensive line? I mean, yeah, we didn't have but one or two starters out there. Um, and you know, so when people at the rest of the SEC has to be watching that and going, uh oh, 
Yeah. Um, you know, because now all of a sudden we can show multiple formations. We can show multiple looks. We can get under center. We can get in the eye. We can run downhill. Like there's so many options. I was just looking at it. Do you know that our six leading tacklers yesterday, three of them were defensive linemen? I mean, well, that's, that's a good day. That's unheard of. <laughs> um, I mean, that's incredible. Um, I So going into the game, we knew that Iowa's offense, as far as total offense, that, that statistic, total offense, they ranked 133rd out of 133 teams in the country. That is not good if you're keeping score at home. And <laughs> uh, that really showed up. Like, I, I was shocked at how bad they were as on offense. So you, it, was, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, and that's your Big Ten runner-up. I mean, come on. Obviously, Ohio State's better than them. I, you know, I don't know if Penn State could – I mean, Penn State's better than them, I guess. But um, how awesome was it that Tennessee – who did not have their number one quarterback, who only had two starting offensive linemen, who was playing without their number one wide receiver and also not didn't have Dante Thornton available. Mm-hmm. Uh, their top two running backs were not available. And Tennessee scored more points on them than any other team this season, including Michigan. Uh, that is incredibly exciting if you're a Vols fan. So... Uh, let's see what some of the other folks had to say about yesterday's game. Uh, let's see. There's some transfer portal questions, so I started them. We'll come back to them in a second. Uh, Oreo Puppy Dog, welcome, bud. He said Nico was awesome, and the defense showed up. The defense definitely showed up. Uh, Rustin quote tweeted it earlier. I quote tweeted it a different time. Um, 14th best game defensively. Or no, best game defensively in the last 14 years. No, best season. Uh, yeah, season. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that that was huge. And that game, golly bum. I mean, they gave up like less than 100 yards passing, I think it was. Yep. I mean, that's nuts. That is nuts. Um, now, part of that was aided by um, number three, Brown. I think his last name was Brown for Iowa, who let two just literally hit him right in the chest. Um I'm sure their quarterback loved that. Um, they only but, had they only had 60 yards passing. It was way under 100. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. Like that is crazy. <laughs> and I tell you what, kudos to Andre Turrentine for keeping it a goose egg in the first quarter. Yep. Um, he is the reason why they didn't score on that first drive. He had the huge tackle at the two yard line to stop the guy, and then he had the interception in the end zone. So I mean, kudos to him for being the guy who is the reason why they didn't get on the board to start the game. Uh, let's see, Billy. Welcome, Billy. He said, "I love Nico. He reminds me of Hinton Hooker." Um, let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. I really wish Brew had, or I really wish Ramel hadn't stopped running on that one play. Yeah. I would have loved for Nico to complete that pass. Yeah. That would have been great. He, he had a nice saw, touch on the ball. He never saw the ball. He had no idea it was there. Um, I tell you that comment. He reminds me of Hooker. The one thing that people should be real excited about. When Hendon Hooker got to Tennessee, he was only given half the field to work with. He was given one 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 side reads, and it was find the guy, you know, read one guy, whatever he does, throw the opposite. That's your one read. They were letting Nico survey the whole field. He was going to his second, third, and fourth reads yesterday, which 
that's way ahead of schedule. That's that was really good to see. Elijah is excited for next year. He said playoff next year and the national championship the year after that. Uh, I mean, that'd be wonderful. I would, I hope so. But honestly, I think if we're going to make a run, it's going to be next year. Yeah. Um, because after next year, think about this after next year, you lose on offense, you'll lose brew. You'll lose, uh, Cade Mays. You'll lose, um, uh, Mincy. You'll lose Javante Spragans. Uh, you'll lose John Campbell, John Campbell. You'll lose. Uh, I think you'll, I don't know if you'll lose Andre Carrick or not, but um, no, he's got another year, but I mean, honestly, if they go out and do this upcoming year, what they can do the way the portal is now, this may become a situation like vol baseball where, Every year we just go raid the portal for the three or four best available players and just reload. Yeah. Um, on defense, enjoy James Pierce Jr. next year, folks. Enjoy him next year because he's gone after next year. He'll be a first-round draft pick after next year. So enjoy him while you got him because, uh, you know, he'll be gone after next year. Omari Thomas will be gone after next year. Bryson Eason will be gone after next year. Um, Keenan Peely. We'll be gone after next year. Um, so if we're going to make a run, honestly, it needs to be next year. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's when this needs to happen. Uh, so a lot of excitement going into next year. Um, but clearly, clearly they're already talking about it because Nico's comments in the post game yeah. at the bowl. I mean, the first thing he brings up is a national championship. Like that's clearly been a conversation. That word yeah. doesn't just pop into your mind in that moment. Like that was a conversation that's been happening. So the only 10 you see, welcome. The only 10 you see, good to have you. Uh, welcome. Welcome. Uh, she was referring to when we were talking about Nathan Leacock and how we hadn't heard his name much. Uh, and she said, I don't think we would have heard Nimrod or Webb's name if it weren't for injuries. Uh, they she said they just don't rotate players, and then that's a good point. They do not rotate players much on offense in the back, especially in the receiver spot. I think we're going to see that change. Um, you know, when you when you watch this past Saturday or Monday, that's going to be weird to say. When you watch Monday, they were rotating a lot of guys at the receivers, and and it it looked Nico looked very comfortable throwing to all of them, and quarterback comfort will always dictate rotation well they're gonna have to rotate them next year to get all those dudes on the field because you're gonna have mike matthews and braylon staley sitting over there and they ain't gonna sit over there (laughs) they're gonna be on the field Mm -hmm. uh elijah said mike matthews looked amazing at the all-american stuff uh that's true mike matthews is currently at there are multiple vols yeah or signees and multiple uh, games. I think there's five at the Under Armour All American game. Yep. Um, and even like some of the three star guys, like Idris Farouk, uh, he's he's down there at the Under Armour All American game. But more importantly than those silly All American games, which aren't really games, they're showcases for people to show off their skills, and no one plays defense. Um, you know, more importantly than that, every NBA All Star game is what you're right. <laughs> um, they might as well turn it into flag football. Um, more importantly than that, 
everybody who was in all the bowl practices raved about Boo Carter, Mike Matthews, and Braylon Staley and yeah. said all three of them were turning heads almost daily. Yep. Um, that That's impressive. Totally agree. Elijah's pumped. He's saying 11-1 and next season. I'd love it, man. That'd be great. Uh, if they do that, they're in the playoff, no doubt. Um, when you were talking about Bama not being able to track down the running back out of the backfield, the only 10 you see said, so they have an Elijah Herring on Alabama too. <laughs> it wasn't just That's one. It was pretty much everybody. <laughs> if Whoever was playing middle linebacker or whoever was assigned to the running back out of the backfield, they kept getting stuck in the middle of the field and their receiver was running wild. So Oreo Puppy Dog asks a good question here. Um, oh, before I get to that, the only Tennessee said Elijah did play well in the he Iowa did. game, though. He did. He sure did. I agree. It was his kind of game, though. It was power football, downhill. Iowa's not going to do anything to deceive you because they can't. Um, you know, they're not athletic enough to surprise anybody. So, you know, it played to his strengths. So Oreo Puppy Dog asks a really good question. And you know what? I think this may end up being a standalone video that I cut out of this one as a, as a <laughs> little thing. But here, this is a really good question. So it's important to note, in the new playoff, yes, there are 12 teams, but it is not necessarily the top 12. To, I, I can just say that it's not the top mm -hmm. 12 teams. It just won't be. Um, because they're, they're going to have to rewrite the rules this year because it's already – null and void based on the fact that there will not be a fifth power five conference. There's only going to be four. And by next um, year, there may not be four. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like that's the thing. So previously under the, the, the current rules, which are about to change because they have to, uh, the conference champion of each of the power five conferences were guaranteed a spot in the playoff. Not just guaranteed a spot guaranteed a first round buy. The top, that's right. The top four of the five were guaranteed a first round buy. So this um, year, this year, if that had been in place this year, Arizona would have gotten a buy. Yeah. Because Arizona would have been in the Big 12. And so they would have been um, a conference champion in the Big 12 because the Big 12 conference champion, Texas, would have been in the SEC. And so. Arizona would have gotten a buy and they were not in the top 12 teams of the, at the end of the year. So just because we're saying it's 12 teams, that does not mean that it will be the top 12 teams in the college football playoff poll. It doesn't have to be because there, there is one spot also reserved. If, if the highest, okay, so I'm going to try to say this as clearly as I can, because it's super confusing. If the highest rated, non-group of five, which next year will be the highest rated non-group of four power conference teams, if they are not in the top 12, then they automatically receive the 12th seed in the playoff. So for example, this year, Liberty, who was not in the top 12 and was the highest rated group of five school they would have received the 12th spot in the playoff. And we saw what happened when they had to play Oregon. Exactly. Um, so the, 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 the highest rated group of five school. 
Now, if the highest rated group of five schools in the top 12, then yeah, you got, you know, the top 12 potentially in the, in the playoff. That's I highly doubt that'll ever happen, but um, I mean, Liberty was 13 and zero, and they still weren't in the top 12. So hopefully, hopefully moving forward, Notre Dame will be the first option for that 12 spot. And we won't end up with a Liberty or a coastal Carolina or anybody like that occupying one of those spots. That's a good point. And it's also maybe an incentive for people to stay independent, even as we move to power three conferences eventually is what it's going to end up at. But um, so to Oreo puppy dogs question, how many games can Tennessee lose and still get in? Well, in theory, here's the thing. Um, Next year, in order to get into it, it is extremely likely that from this point forward, both teams in the SEC championship game will, would be undefeated. Yeah. Um, because with 16 teams in the conference now and eight conference games, you're not even playing half the conference. And so it is extremely likely that there will be at least two teams who are undefeated in the conference who will make it to the SEC championship game. Yeah. If that's the case, then you got to figure that in order, I mean, both of those teams are going to be in the, in the playoff. And so that's, I mean, that, 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 that takes up when you consider the highest group of five schools. So there's only 11 spots left and that takes up two of them right there. And it's hard to imagine a situation where if you have three other power conferences, that's six other teams in their conference championship games, there might be a situation where there's one that you're like, nah, they're not going to get in or two, but I think it's extremely safe to say, you know, at least three of them because their conference champions are going to be in. So when you think about that and you've got, assuming, you know, the question is how many games can we lose? So that means we're not winning the SEC. So five of the 11 spots are now taken by four conference champions and the group of five school. So now we're only down to six spots left. And if we're not in our conference championship game, which you probably have to be undefeated to get into that, maybe one loss tops. I mean, if, if the only way I could see us getting into the playoff, even with two losses is if Georgia and Alabama are the two teams in the SEC championship game and they're both, uh, well, and this this wouldn't even be possible next year because Georgia and Alabama play each other next year in the regular season. So I was going to say if they're both undefeated and there are only two losses, then that would be, that would look good on us. We might sneak in in that last, you know, number 11 spot. Maybe. But that won't even be the case next year because Georgia and Alabama will play each other. So one of them is going to have a loss. So Georgia and Alabama may not even be in the SEC championship game next year. Because Texas, one of them. Texas is probably going to have something to say about that. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, that that hurts us uh, that, that Georgia and Alabama play each other during the season. Um, because you got to figure Texas might run the table. So if they do, then that means you have Texas, 
and you've got the winner of Bama Georgia in the in the championship game. But one of the two of them plays Texas, I think, during the regular season. I'll have to go back and look. But man, it's going to be wild. But so, how many games can we lose and still get in? Comfortably, one. <laughs> we can only lose one game, and if if we make if that one loss gets us to the SEC championship game, I think you could lose the SEC championship game and still get in as a two loss team. But if you have two losses in the regular season. Man, that makes it tough uh, because in in future years, if Georgia and Alabama don't play each other in the regular season and they both make it to the championship game, then you might could sneak in. But in a season where they're going to play each other, I don't I don't see how it's possible. So one, I guess, would be my answer to to make sure that you're in. And how many SEC teams allowed in? I mean, in theory, you could have up to six. <laughs> um, but there won't be that many um, because like I said, you got two conference champions or excuse me, four conference champions and a group of five. So that's five. So you have six spots left. So I guess in theory, you could have seven SEC teams, their conference champion and six others, but that won't happen. So, I mean, I would venture to guess there, I would think there would be at least be three or four every year that get in especially with Texas and Oklahoma being in the SEC now. Um, I would venture to guess you'll have three, at least three, maybe occasionally four. But, I mean, the Big Ten's going to be the same thing. They're going to get three or four in every year too. What What do you think? Do you agree with that or do you think is a different scenario? I think, I think this upcoming year the SEC will get at least five. I think the SEC is wow. going to be – significantly stronger than every other conference by a lot. Um, and I think strength of schedule, this is finally the playoff committee's opportunity to really say strength of schedule truly matters and, and not, not get bogged down in, well, what about this conference? What about that conference? Um, I mean, if you look at, if you look at the other conferences, I mean, outside of Florida state, Michigan loses almost everything. Um, you know, Washington loses a lot. They're going to lose a lot to the draft. Um, you know, USC, sure. USC will be decent. Oregon will be good. Um, but I mean, who else in the ACC is really concerning? You know, Clemson's relegated to just slightly better than average. They're not playing very well. Um, you know, I, I think there's easily five SEC teams that'll make it, maybe six. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen every year, but I think this upcoming year, that's going to be reality. Um, that'd be wonderful. (laughs) Tennessee is going to be significantly better. Ole Miss is going to be significantly better. Alabama and Georgia will be Alabama and Georgia. Texas is going to keep being good. There's five right there. If Missouri stays where they are, that's six. Um, I think LSU will take a step back. Um, especially after losing their offensive coordinators. So they're going to be breaking in a new OC plus a new quarterback. Um, they'll lose several guys to the draft. They've already got guys jumping in the portal that they were hoping on for the future. So, you know, things aren't rosy behind the scenes in Baton Rouge. I think they'll probably take a step backwards. But, I mean, I could legitimately see five, maybe six SEC teams get in this upcoming year. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, I mean, Missouri shocked everybody this year. And so 
I don't know. It'll be fascinating when you sit down and break down the schedules, who's playing who. Um, it'll be very interesting to see. And, and obviously we'll do that over. <laughs> we got the whole off season. So we'll do that. We'll do videos about that too, just like we did this year. Um, Papa Jay said, so thank you, Oriel Puppy Dog, for that question. That was a great question. Thank you very much. Papa Jay said, Dylan Sampson needs practice blocking all summer. I agree. Um, I think we see now why he wasn't on the field over Jabari Small and um, Jalen Wright, which best of luck to both of them as they enter the draft. Um, Tony said, Elijah Herring can't cover anyone. I've got to get him off the field. He's lost out there. For the majority of the season, yeah, he he, uh, he could not do that. You're right. Um, Robert said the young guys in our secondary were doing a good job. Okay. I totally agree, especially hello, John Slaughter, uh, who <laughs> there was in the fourth quarter and all of a sudden dude comes out of nowhere and just like flies up and attacks the ball carrier. And we're like, who is that guy? I mean, I like, came out of nowhere off the screen. It was John Slaughter. Um, it was, it was really nice to see. Yeah. Um, Jordan Thomas man. played well too. That, that guy's going to be a really good player. He sure did. Uh, Tony said Tyree West had a big game. Yes, sir, he did. Yeah, he had a he fantastic game. Fantastic game. Uh, Zach, hey, welcome, Zach. Good to have you, buddy. He said, what's up, all bros? And everyone just got done with the gym. Oh, Zach's getting getting uh, getting shredded. And he said, uh, what's up with Russ's name? Is Brew coming back? Well, we got good news for you, Zach. Yes, he is. Uh, he announced this evening about 7:45 that he was returning. So that that's a that's a big night for the Vols. Um, the only C said, "What is up with Hypo waiting so long to put in the backups? Is he stat padding?" Okay, that's a good question. Unfortunately, we started half the backups. Like, <laughs> not, there wasn't a whole yeah. lot of people left. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's a great question, but unfortunately, like. A lot of the people were in the transfer portal, and so a lot of the backups got were starting or opted out or injured. I mean, we have, we had several. If you noticed, our defensive line rotation wasn't as deep as it normally is. We had several yeah. guys that sat out for injury. You know, um, in that last drive, which I'm glad we. I'm glad we didn't score the touchdown. And when he went for it on fourth down, I was like, what are we doing? And that, but in that drive, I, I, I think we should have kicked a field goal when it was fourth down on like the four yard line. I think we should have kicked a field goal because I get that. I mean, the, at that point there were like third and fourth string guys in the game on the offensive line. And, you know, these guys don't, they never got to play hardly at all year. And so, um, you know, you want to see them, be able to go down and get some points so i think we should have kicked a field goal but i, I definitely don't think we should have gone i'm glad we didn't get in the end zone because oh man we would have heard about that all off season long um tony said we need another good offensive lineman out of the portal i agree at left three yeah <laughs> uh, but we definitely need somebody at left guard there's no doubt about that i totally agree but if we learn nothing um, else this year, we learn that you need 10 guys that you can trust on the offensive line. Yeah. Six or seven. It used to be six or seven was enough. Six and seven is not enough anymore. You got to have 10. Gotcha. Yep. Totally agree. I totally agree. Um, Zach said yesterday was the start of Nico Yamalayava Heisman journey. Um <laughs> 
I mean, I hope so. Uh, you know, I would, I would tend to think that not next year, but the year after that would be a more likely scenario for him to win the Heisman. But will he have the same caliber of weapons the following year and the same offensive line that he'll have this year? I don't know. Um, so I, I'm telling you, this this next year, <laughs> it's now or never kind of situation. Um, let's see. Oh, when I was talking about who all is going to be graduating next year, the only Tennessee said this is depressing. Let's talk about who's staying. Too many names in there. Yeah, I I, I get it absolutely. Um, uh oh, Zach's get he's 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 hyped. He said we bring home some hardware to Knoxville in twenty four. Believe that three natties, three SEC championships, dude. That'd be incredible. I mean, talk about the best year in the history of college sports. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Uh, four rep one. Good to have you, buddy. He said, and Jordan Ross will be a major contributor next year. I agree. Yep. Totally. He will. Uh, let's see. Shannon, the cannon. Welcome buddy. Said, uh, how about them balls, both football and basketball? I was concerned about them coming off a long uh, pause and break there. I'm so proud that I'm orange blushing. Yeah. That was a great win for the basketball team tonight. Huge two days really for Tennessee athletics. Just huge, huge two days. Um, Let's see. Uh, Zach said, I'm excited about that natty. I called the teams Michigan and Washington. Everyone thought I was crazy. Who's crazy? <laughs> I didn't think you are crazy, Zach. <laughs> I think Washington's a great pick. I, I mean, I hope they win. I, I really hope Dylan Johnson's okay, but it didn't look good. Um, but I really hope they beat Michigan. Uh, let's see. Big Ball Daddy, welcome. He said, good evening. I see you guys are starting to grow a little more. Good on you and go, Nico. Hey, I appreciate that very much. Um, and I agree. Go, Nico. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, Tony was talking about the playoff scenario. It's really the best 11, and sometimes not even that, really. And it, I think easily you could say 10 of the best teams. Well, nine of the best teams will always be in it, but after that, yeah, that 10 and 11 spot could be people who look up and win a conference championship. I mean, think about this. What if Iowa had beat Michigan in their in their in the conference championship game? They would be they would have been an an automatic qualifier with a first round bye. Yep. And that's you know that's one thing about the the big the Power Five going to Power Four is that now all four conference champions are guaranteed, like Rustin said, are guaranteed first round buys in the playoff, which is really wrong. Like that, they they need to when the ACC starts dissolving, they need to use that as leverage to eliminate that policy because it's just not it's not if you want to have the twelve best teams, then rank them just like you do the NCAA tournament. Don't don't sure. sit here and go, yeah. oh well, if you're in this conference, you get an automatic bid and a yeah. and a buy. That that makes no sense. Yeah, I totally agree. Um and the only Tennessee just hit the nail on the head. She said the outrage of teams that didn't get in that feel they deserve it is going to be entertaining. Yeah. So she's exactly right because they're, I mean, it's not an if, it's a win. There is a situation where, you know, like a, a, t- a top 10 team, I mean, seriously, it could be number yeah. nine or number 10. And somebody has a major upset in a conference championship game. And all of a sudden yeah. that, that number 10 team are out because that highest group of five and the upset conference champion are in the game or in the, in the playoff. And that t- and literally a top 10 team will be out of a 12 team playoff. If New Mexico state 
had beaten Liberty in their conference championship, New Mexico State would have been that number 12 team. Think about that. Yeah, it's definitely not going to be the 12 best teams, that's for sure. That is for sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, hey, here's a new name, HT14. Welcome. Good to have you. Uh, they said, did you see the 2024 power rankings for SEC? I did not. Now, I did see SEC Mike. Uh, Mike Bratton, is that his name? Uh, I think yeah. it's Mike Bratton. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw his power rankings, and he had Tennessee fifth, I believe, with Oklahoma at six, is I think what he had him ranked. He had, uh, I think he had Texas number one. He had Ole Miss at number two, I think. And then Georgia and Alabama. Uh, I think that's what he had. Uh, uh, Zach said Georgia plays Texas next year. I thought they did. I thought one of the two of them played him. Mm -hmm. Um, Ooh, uh, the only two you see said, so did Washington give us a blueprint on Texas or was that just elite quarterback play? So Greg McElroy was up in the booth. Um, Cole Kublik was on the sideline and Colt McCoy was on the sideline and total sidebar. If, if any of you did not watch the ESPN telecast with, it was hilarious. Uh, Harry Douglas, Emmanuel Achu, um, Cole Kublik and Colt McCoy. That was by far the best, uh, broadcast of that game. Those four were outstanding. Yeah, it was, um, it was fun. And this morning on Mac and Cube, they were kind of debriefing the game. And Greg McElroy asked Cole from the field, did Michael Penix look as good as he did from the booth? And Cole Kublik's response was, he might be the best pocket passer I've ever seen in a college uniform. Um. Colt McCoy echoed that and said, I've never seen a guy pick apart a defense so easily. So three guys who know what they're looking at, who are all at the game watching from different angles, all said the same thing. Michael Penix was just different. He was just better than everybody else. And it's really, it really means something even extra coming from Colt McCoy because he, he was a Texas Longhorn yeah, and he's sitting there watching this dude pick apart his team. And he's like, well, that stinks. <laughs> um, you know, his commentary was what was cracking me up because at one point Texas ran a play and it was just it wasn't good. And uh Colt, you can hear him in the background go, That was ridiculous. <laughs> that was the best part about it. They were all just being gut level honest, reacting yeah. as it happened. And they gave some amazing X's and O's stuff. Like their scheme discussions were awesome. Um, but every once in a while they would fall into, you know, their fanhood and it was, yep. it was priceless. There was one, it was like a 10 yard out route for a first down that, uh, Washington had and they, you know, Penix throws the ball, dude catches it, takes one foot in bounds, gets out of bounds and Colt, he, before he could just re, he just reacted like he couldn't stop. He goes, it was too easy. <laughs> Like it was, it was hilarious. His commentary was cracking me up. It was really good. Um, let's see. Oh, some folks are upset with me that I implied that we might lose to Bama and Georgia next year. <laughs> um, let's see. Tennessee Vol Niner. Hey, welcome, buddy. Uh, good to have you. He said, 
or we just beat Bama and Georgia. Hey, I, I'm all for that. Let's do it. I mean, I, I'll, Zach's like, Evan, have some faith in Tennessee. <laughs> I, I do think we have the offensive firepower now to, to yeah, beat Alabama. Sure. I think we absolutely can outscore them. Um, Georgia, again, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. And until we beat them, yep. I just can't pick them. Uh, HT14 said Vols are winning the Natty next year. I mean, I would love that. I hope they do. Um, hey, you just all you, make it to the playoff. That's all you got to do. Make it to the playoff. Yeah. Because then anything can happen. You know, so just just get to the playoff. That's that's the goal. Um, Ricky. <laughs> Ricky said, did I miss the apologies? <laughs> so if, Ricky, Joe, if Joe had gotten to play Vanderbilt in a bowl game, his numbers would have looked just the same. <laughs> all all year long ricky has uh been a very vocal proponent of nico iamaleava and uh and, and he, let's be real what did we learn monday we learned that iowa if they played in the sec is equivalent to a round of vanderbilt i mean that they're, <laughs> they're not they they cannot compete in that conference there are probably eight different teams in the SEC that would have beaten Iowa this year. Yep, yep. Um, definitely wasn't a great day for Iowa, no doubt about it. But, I mean, the Nico era has begun now. Uh, we got two years. People who think he's going to be around longer than that, sorry, he ain't going to be longer than that. We get two years of Nico, so let's, you know, let's enjoy it while we got it, especially next year. Iowa only played three ranked teams this year, Penn State, Michigan, and Tennessee. In those three games, they lost by a combined score of 79 to nothing. Tennessee was almost half of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Robert asked a good question that I don't know the answer to. With Texas and the SC with Texas in the SEC next year, what happens to the Longhorn Network? And so, ESPN has the SEC games now. So that was part of the deal for the timing of when Texas joined. Um, ESPN has paid a new contract to the SEC starting next fall for $3 billion, with a B, billion dollars that includes buying out the Longhorn Network. It will no longer yeah. exist. Well, there you go. Um, before we go on to the next question, I thought of something else that one of my takeaways from the game, uh, the Citrus Bowl, we were talking about Colt McCoy and them being just honest, you know, on the sideline. I looked at Rustin during the Tennessee game and I was like, I, I, I was loving it, but I was like, this announcer, he's about to get fired. <laughs> he was hilarious. I mean, like some of the stuff he was saying, he was just totally bashing Iowa and it was, it was hilarious. I mean, he was just being totally honest. Like when he mentioned uh, the quarterback, <laughs> running and escaping and doing a spin move. He goes, which is not his forte or not his strength. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, I mean, oh man, it was, uh, it was just hilarious. Like, I don't know who he was, but I hope he still has a job. Um, I think, like, it was it was, Dave, I think it was Dave Fleming. It was hilarious. Um, it was cracking me up. The only thing you see said, I think Auburn could be better if they go get a quarterback, which they are probably doing as we speak. Yeah. Um, Caden, Caden Salter entered the transfer portal this afternoon. I'll be real surprised if he doesn't end up at Auburn. For those who may not know, Caden Salter actually was a former Tennessee Vol. Mm-hmm. Um, he then went and played at uh, – he actually never stepped on the field for Tennessee. Um, he was dismissed from the team. He went to Liberty University, 
where Hugh Freeze uh, started him at quarterback, and he had a couple great years at, at Liberty, and now he has entered the transfer portal. So would not be shocked if he ends up playing for Hugh Freeze again uh, at Auburn. Would not be shocked about that. And let's be honest, if he goes there, he's starting day one. I mean, like, that's that's what's going to happen if oh, yeah. he goes there. Yeah. Peyton, Peyton Thorne's not going to put up much of a fight. Zach said Tennessee will be number one. Believe it. Hey, man, I'd awesome. love to. I mean, they did it last year with Hendon. You know, they were number one at one point last year. So I'd love it. It'd be great. Uh, Shannon said, has anyone mentioned Bruce Stain? Go Big Orange. We did. We actually talked about that earlier. Rustin's name on the screen. He's, he's, he's excited too. Uh, huge night for the Vols for that very reason. Huge night. Um, let's see. Uh, Shannon also said our secondary was impressive. I have to say, yeah, I agree. They were, they, they sure were. I mean, you only allow 60 yards passing. Absolutely. That's a phenomenal game. It was helped a little bit by Iowa dropping passes. Um, but yeah, it was, they did a great job. And complete quarterback incompetence. I mean, they were so bad. Yep. So bad. Uh, HT 14 said, who do you think is winning the natty this year? Uh, are we talking about the Michigan Washington game or are we talking yeah. basketball or what? I think he's talking Michigan Washington. <laughs> well, I mean, if you'd asked me before Dylan Johnson got hurt, I would have said Washington. Now I'm concerned. Um, I, I don't think we're even going to find out about Dylan Johnson for several days. Uh, just how severe his injury is. I hope he plays. I hope he's healthy. I hope he's okay. Um, if he's okay, then I'm going to pick Washington. If he's not, then it's hard to pick Washington, but I still want to. I'm not going to pick Michigan. Um, even if I think they might win, I'm not going to pick them. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say Washington. Uh, what do you think, Rustin? Um, this morning, Kalen DeBoer said that he thinks Dylan plays. He said it's an ongoing injury that he's been dealing with for weeks, and he just kind of tweaked it. Um, and he thinks he'll just fight through it like he has for the last few weeks. Um, I mean, my head says Michigan will find some way to keep it close. My heart says I hope Washington beats them 50 to nothing so the cheaters yep. finally get put in their place. Um, yep. They have no business being in the playoff as it is. Yep. So, Totally agree. Uh, let's see. The only thing you see said, if you put Gaston Moore in earlier, you can take a knee in that game because it was 28 to nothing at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And 28 uh, to nothing against true. Iowa is more like 82 to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point, too. Um, let's see. Uh, Zach said, I was only good for one thing, and that's Field of Dreams. <laughs> uh, let's see. Ooh, interesting question. I'm going to come back to that because we haven't even finished talking about yesterday's game. Uh, Ricky said next year is the year with the weapons and line on the schedule. So I, I totally agree. Um, you know, that's what I was saying earlier. Uh, HT 14 said, we'll also have Jamal Wallace on the defensive line next year. Cause all you were saying, all those guys are coming back and you add on Jamal Wallace. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's strong. That's a strong group. Um, Elijah said, do you think Iowa's defense was overrated or was the offense with Nico just that much better? 
I think a little bit of both. Um, but primarily, I think Iowa's defense was overrated because they hadn't played anybody. We're we're the fifth or sixth best team in the SEC, and we just outscored every single team on their schedule without our top two running backs, our number one wide receiver, three out of five starting offensive linemen, and a true freshman making his first start ever at quarterback. Somebody would have to do a whole lot of explaining to convince me that Iowa's defense is that good. I think yeah, Iowa's defense is garbage, and they play in an even worse conference. Yeah, I mean, especially their division in that conference. I mean, come on. It's just not not a gauntlet by any means. The team we watched, I would equate to Vanderbilt. Uh, Shannon said, oh, you just saw the Bruin. So this, I was behind earlier on those. Uh, hey, that's great advice. Papa Jay said, smash that like button. I totally agree. I think that's fantastic advice. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tony said it was a great day yesterday. The Vols win. Bama lost. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a solid day. Uh, let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, he's replying to the only team you see. Um, let's see. So Zach said he, we're winning three natties. I, I think we understood. Um, I knew it. Baseball, <laughs> basketball, and football. Um, I would love it. Quite That'd the expectation awesome. to put put out there publicly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, God Guns and Amos said Washington is extremely explosive on offense. That's exactly right, man. Hey. And it's like it's like Colt McCoy kept saying he was like we've got to stop playing man like every yeah. time every time yeah. Texas played man boom big play <laughs> yep absolutely uh, my favorite my favorite uh, quote of the day I guess you could say was Michael Penix after the game when he was asked is this the best game you've had all year. Or, you know, is this the best game of your career? And he said, no, we still got one more. <laughs> I was like, yeah, buddy. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Carl, welcome, Carl. He said, late to the show. Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year, Carl. Happy New Year to everybody. We hope everybody has a, a fantastic, healthy, and blessed 2024. Absolutely. Um, Elijah said Penix was a snub in the Heisman. Hmm. He was a runner-up. Um, it was tough, man. It's tough to not pick uh, Jaden Daniels. I get it, but... Penix has led his team to undefeated season. Like he's he's a real deal. Um, Carl said Michael Penix, Trevor Lawrence not wanted by Tennessee. I think they did want Trevor. He just said no, nah, no thanks. Um, but yeah, to to send away Michael Penix was not a good decision. Um, they did want Trevor, but Butch screwed that one up. Yep. Let's see. Oh, Billy said, I guess my question got lost in the live chat. Why do great players going? It's not lost. I've got it starred, actually. I've got yours and three other starred that I'm coming back to at the end. Because those are we're going to talk about the transfer portal and Gabe Judy Lolly here in just a second. But you may need to go on to them because this these comments aren't going to stop. I don't, I don't think <laughs> you're ever going to get to the bottom of this. Uh let's see. I'm just going to start going through them real fast here. Uh let's see. Bro. And before you get to it, I'll just echo what Elijah just said. Jane Daniels won because of numbers, but 
I 100% agree with Elijah. Michael Penix is the best player in the country. Um, you know, Jaden Daniels no-showed in crucial moments. Michael Penix's team is in the national championship because he has played big in every big game. He he absolutely should have won the Heisman. He absolutely is the best player in the country. It's in my opinion, it's not close. So here's a couple good questions that came through. Uh, Matt, welcome, Matt. Good to have you, buddy. He said, uh, what is Ramel Keaton's deal? Do you think all these drop passes and not finishing routes? Uh, that's a great question, man, because it was not what we saw last year out of him. Yeah, there's no and, telling. And I don't think it was the year he expected to have either. Well, especially the route, after they spent the whole offseason talking about he was catching 150 balls a day off the jugs and yeah. um, you know, putting in all this extra work and catching balls left and right. Hadn't really shown up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. HT14 said, do you think Nico will ever get snubbed for the Heisman because he plays at Tennessee? Probably. <laughs> Kirk Herbstreet gets a vote, so there's one right there he won't get. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. At some point, though, <sighs> I mean, we saw it happen last year with Hendon. So, I mean, at some point. Oh, there's there's voters all over the country that hate Tennessee fans, and they won't vote for them just simply because of that name. Like, it's yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's go on to our second question. <laughs> uh, an, an hour into the show. I love it. It's great. Um, what, who was your player of the game yesterday in the Citrus Bowl? I wasn't. So if I have to pick one, I would go with Amari Thomas because I thought he played exceptionally well. It won't show up in the stat sheet, but he was third on the team in tackles. Um, played really, really well. Um, if I had if you told me I had to pick one person, I would go with him. If I was allowed to pick a position group, I would absolutely hey go. I would absolutely. It's our go show. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> I would absolutely go with the defensive line. Uh, I thought they, as a unit, they all played just extremely well. And like we said earlier, three, three, maybe four of Iowa's offensive linemen will end up in the NFL, and our defensive line manhandled them all day. Yeah, I think that's a great choice because so here's the thing, you know, I, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Uh, if I had to pick four guys who I thought all kind of deserve uh, player of the game, three of the four on the defensive line. Like if I had to pick four guys, OK, well, it's got to be one of these guys. I mean, you, you think James Pierce Jr., he played really well. Pick six was incredible. Um, Omari Thomas. Kylie Bum, he just stuffed the middle of the line all day long. I mean, he they could not get stuff up the middle, and it was because of him. Um, Tyree Bryce, West played. And Bryson Eason. Bryson Eason had a really good day. Yeah. Uh, Tyree West played really well in the living in the backfield. I mean, he played really well. And obviously, Nico Iamaleava. I mean, like he played extremely well. And so, you know, how do you pick one? And and I think you made a good point of if you got to pick a position group, it'd be defensive line because, you know, we didn't even talk about this beforehand, but 
if those are the four guys I'm thinking about, three of the four on the defensive line. So um, yeah. I was going to, you know, just for funsies, I was going to say Nico because true freshman debut against supposedly top five defense in the country. Um, not not a bad day. Not a bad day. Zero turnovers. That's the main thing. No true freshman debut against top five defense, and he didn't turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Like that, you know, that doesn't show up really on the stat sheet much. People are like, oh, he had three rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown, which side note, he should have had two passing touchdowns because Ramel should have kept running. Yep. Um, now, would it have been a difficult catch over his head fading towards the, go- the, the pile on? Yeah, it would have been a difficult catch, but he should have kept running. We don't know. We don't know what it would have happened because he stopped running because um, he just didn't see it, I guess. But, um, you know, three rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown, that's awesome. But the fact that he had zero turnovers, that's a huge deal that, I mean, you expect a kid to have at least one or two. Yeah. Uh, in that situation and he had zero and well especially er, especially early on when he was just taking shots and yeah and the offensive line wasn't blocking a soul um you know coaches did a really good job protecting him with scheme as the game went on because the offensive line sure wasn't yeah totally agree um some of the folks uh, zach said james pierce jr was his player of the game great choice uh, I mean, how how could you argue with that, right? I mean, great choice. Elijah said same thing. Uh, God Guns and Ammo said that James Pierce was a monster. He was. Uh, and let's enjoy him, folks. Let's enjoy him for one more year. That's all we're going to have him for. Uh, Zach said he played great defense and then a pick six. Yeah, and not not to take anything away from the pick six. It was an impressive catch. Um, but let's also give Tim Banks a whole lot of credit there. Um, yeah. You know, he he completely baited Iowa's quarterback into that throw. If you go back and watch it, James Pierce is a stand-up defensive end. Looks like he normally would in most in most scenarios. It looks like a, he's going to be coming off the edge on a stunt. Like he lines up like he's going to be flying in the backfield. So the quarterback saw the way he was standing, saw the coverage, and was like, the flat's going to be wide open never even looked just caught the snap and threw it out there because he assumed nobody was covering and you know james pierce drops back in the flat and he throws it right to him um it was a fantastic call by tim banks and honestly something i love to see because it told me you know the only reason you play in these bowl games is to get ready for next year so it told me that next year they're planning on moving him around and being real versatile with him and helping his draft stock and showing NFL scouts that he can do even more. And that is, that's exciting. Like that, that tells me we're going to get to see him fly around and do some really creative things. And that's, that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, the only thing you see said, don't try to be different, Rustin. You know who the best player was. She said, I'm, Nico for red zone efficiency alone. I was an offensive coordinator for 11 years. Like, I can appreciate, I coached quarterbacks. I coached quarterbacks for eight of the 11. Like I can appreciate a quarterback who does a good job and he did a good job, but we're not, we're, that game is a little bit closer, not a lot closer because Iowa sucks, but it's a little bit closer if the defensive line doesn't play the way they did. I mean, they were, sure. they were dominant from start to finish. Uh, Carl said Elijah Herring played really well, but one play, uh, he did. I agree. 
Um, Zach said the future is broad and rocky top. And Evan, you're getting good at saying Nico Iamaleava's name. <laughs> Thank you. I've been practicing. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, JL, welcome, JL. He said, uh, yeah, Dylan Sampson let Nico get blown up. Uh, he did. Uh, twice. twice. Yeah, he sure did. Um, Matt Adams, Matt said Elijah was showing out too. Absolutely. Uh, Zach said one funny play was the offensive line tackle on Nico when Nico ran into, I believe it was Dane Davis. Dane Davis. Yeah. I'm betting Nico didn't find that humorous. <laughs> uh, Goggins and Ambo, I think this is a legit statement. Um, Tennessee will be the best defensive line next year in the SEC. I think the only team that could potentially have a argument against that would be Ole Miss. Uh, but I think that, uh, I mean, it's going to be hard to be better than Tennessee's defensive line. Ole Miss, is, Ole Miss doesn't have the depth Tennessee does. Their front, Agreed. Four, their front four are equally as good, but after that, there's nobody. Uh, Big Valdani said, how about just a tad bit of love for Cam Selden? Cam yeah. had a great game. I agree. I actually um, told Evan during the game, he was the one I was most concerned about. And after watching the way he played and the way he ran, I don't have any concerns at all anymore. He has really grown up this year. Yep. JL said, what about Tyree West? Absolutely. We were talking about him a few minutes ago. Uh, had a tremendous game. Uh, you know, we, I was saying if I could pick four guys who I, you know, I think the best had the best days. One of them's got to be Nico. One of them's got to be James Pierce Jr., Omari Thomas and Tyree West. I mean, Tyree had a phenomenal game. Andre Turrentine had a f- phenomenal game. I mean, really, he played really well. Um, so he he gets thrown in the mix there too. Um, let's see. Uh, Gaga said, yeah, he said they will have the best line, D- D- line next year. <clears throat> and I mean, it's hard to argue with that, really. Uh, Cam, Zach said, Cam Seldon reminds me of Reggie Bush. Um, He does look similar. It's a it's a so, very similar body shape, very similar running style. Big Valdetti said, don't be shocked if Cam Seldon passes Dylan Sampson as the number one at some point next year. Um, I mean, I, I could see that happening. I think Dylan, his versatility is probably what's going to be. I mean, he's just, he's yeah. so elusive. Um, but and I really want to talk a lot about the running backs because I think we have every every reason to be very excited about them for next year. Don't forget we have Deshaun Bishop back there. And this spring, Khalifa Keith, well, he wasn't there yet, but Cam Seldon and Deshaun Bishop were both taking reps in spring practice this year. And Deshaun Bishop was the one everybody was talking about the most. Yep. Like he He was the one that was turning heads as a, who should have been still in high school as an early enrollee. And he was the guy that people were like, dude, that guy's good. (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now, if the opening kickoff next year, if you look up and it's Deshaun Bishop and Boo Carter back there returning kickoffs, get ready. It's about to be a show. Those are two of the shiftiest, crazy, weirdly fast guys. They explode on a dime that'll be two return men that can absolute open some games up. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, Elijah asked, are we losing anyone major on the defensive line this year? So Omar Norman lot will lose Omar Norman lot. Um, but other than that, I mean, Tyler Barron has transferred. 
to Ole Miss. Um, I think what we saw in Tyree West, and remember, David Hobbs didn't play Monday. So I think what we saw in Tyree West and what we saw during the year in David Hobbs replaces Omar Norman Lott. And let's just be real. Did anybody notice Tyler Barron wasn't there so Monday? No, they did not. <laughs> just um, saying. I mean, you got to be excited when you think about the defense. Rustin said the key word, depth. Uh, you, you, I mean, think about our edge rushers. You got Jordan Ross, Joshua Josephs, James Pierce Jr., and Sean Davian Bradley, who we haven't even seen on the field yet. And potentially Jamal Wallace. And, and Jamal Wallace. And potentially yeah. Caleb Herring. Like, so there's six guys on the edge right there um, that are not slouches. <laughs> that's that's a strong group. Uh, then interior linemen, you've got Omari Thomas, Bryson Eason, uh, David Hobbs, Ty- Tyree Rest. I mean, like, you, sign me up. I mean, we just mentioned 10 guys that, that you can put out there and have some fun, you know? <laughs> Um, like it's, it's exciting, man. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, Carl said it was embarrassing the way they butchered Nico's name during the award presentation. They had a month to practice, do better. <laughs> That's true. That's true. They had a month. You had one job, dude. You had one job. Well, the poor girl from the Cheez-Its company almost forgot that Tennessee was the Vols. She, she stuttered. She was like the Tennessee vols like it it was almost like with somebody behind the scenes going it's false it's false (laughs) um matt said the old miss d-line i'll have too many divas on it okay that's actually a fair point that's Um, not just the d-line that's the whole locker room yeah that's that's a fair point Uh, the only 10 you see said old miss is going to be the new texas a&m uh that's actually probably a really good analogy Mm -hmm. um that's that's really good um she said, just kidding about Ole Miss. Don't, because you're probably right. <laughs> she said, they have a better offensive coordinator in QB, but I wish they would fall on their face next year. <laughs> they might, uh, because that's a lot of strong personalities are trying to manage. That offensive coordinator hasn't won a big game in his life. Yeah. So uh, our last question, and then we're going to get to Gabe Judy Lolly because that that's come up a few times. Um but our last question, Rustin, what was your play of the game yesterday in the Citrus Bowl? And y'all let us know in the comments what your play of the game was. Only because I called it before it happened. Um, but when we got on the goal line, when we got in the eye, and on play one, we ran just base ISO up the middle. I said, oh, my goodness. We're about to mimic Peyton. Like, this is this is Josh Heupel being sentimental, being an X and O quarterback guy. Um, he's about to bootleg off of this and, and sure enough, very next play Nico boots off of it. He missed the Browder kid wide open in the end zone. He should have thrown it. It shouldn't have to run it in. Um, but he ended up running it in, did a good job using pad leverage and getting in the end zone. Um, but he had, he had his tight end wide open if he had thrown it. Beautiful call. So I think an honorable mention goes to rolling out to the right, hitting Ramel Keaton back shoulder on the yeah. sideline. I'd say that's honorable mention, but I think my play of the game was uh, James Pierce Jr.'s pick six. And my favorite tweet of the whole day 
was somebody tweeted James Pierce Jr. was Iowa's leading receiver. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. Uh, I mean, I loved it. It was fantastic. Um, (laughs) That was my favorite. That was my favorite of of the day. That was wonderful. And it was a great catch. I mean, I mean, he caught it away from his body. I mean, it was, it was, it was a coordinated catch better than what I was receivers were doing. They were letting it hit him right in the chest. So um, it, it was, it was a good play. And like you said, kudos Tim Banks for dropping back in coverage, literally into the exact spot he needed to be in to make that mm-hmm. play. Um, you know, that, that was, that was good. Um, let's see a lot of Ole Miss love going on in the comments. <laughs> uh, let's see. Elijah said his play of the game was the Nico Domdurmel when he scrambled. Yep, that was, it was a heck that was of a ball. Was, that was yep. crazy tough throw. Um, the only team you see liked what you said. She said that's facts. <laughs> uh, let's see. Big Ball Daddy said the muff punt at the one yard line was his play of the game. You talking about when uh, Tennessee down the punt at the one yard line? Is that what you're talking about? Because that was really nice when they did that. Um, they, they did go through the dude's hands a little bit on the return guy. Um, I bet I bet that's what he's talking about. That's the only one. I mean, it has to be, right? Um, let's see. Uh, do, do, do. Zach said the Nico passed to McAllen Castles. Oh, yeah. Uh, and McAllen did a lot with that one. I mean, he was the reason that that would be a play of the game. Uh, he beat one, at least one defender to get into the end zone, maybe two. Uh, so kudos to him for that. Big Val Daddy said he called the bootleg before it happened as well. <laughs> um, oh, I like this one, Carl. I like this, Carl. He said he liked the strip sack at the two-yard line. Yep. Uh, that was also a James Pierce Jr. play. That's I like that. That's a good one. Uh, Kudos I mean, to Bryson Eason. Bryson Eason forced him into James Pierce. And, you know, I mean, talk about a momentum shifting play in the game. I mean, you get the ball right there. If you don't score, then shame on us, right? And so I think that's that's a great choice. Um, let's see. Ooh, Matt, I think, oh, this is a good choice. This is a great choice. He said, Andre Turntine's interception in the end zone in the first quarter. I mean, talk about momentum shifting, right? I mean, absolutely. Um, yeah. Iowa takes the lead right there if they if they catch catch that ball and he stops them. I, I, I love that decision. That's a great one. Not to take uh, anything big, away from Andre, but that was a terrible pass. I mean, oh, for sure. Yeah. Andre um, was literally just sitting in coverage, watching the quarterback's eyes, and the quarterback took him right to it. I mean, just really bad. All right, so to to end the show, um, we got uh, yeah, Carl agreed with Matt. That was a great great play. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach said, "I'm drawing a blank. When was the last time an SEC was wasn't in the national championship? It's been a while. Uh, I think it's been twelve years. I could be wrong, but I think it's been twelve years. Um, yeah, the only Tennessee said the quarterback then double coverage." <laughs> Um, it wasn't a great day for the the passing game for Iowa. Um, 
Big Vol Daddy agrees. He said, great choice, Matt. That play probably changed the entire complexion of the game. If Iowa scores there, we probably only win by 28. <laughs> I love it. That's a good one, Big Vol Daddy. That's a good one. Um, so a couple of the comments that had come in and uh, that I starred that I wanted to go back to uh, way earlier on, uh, this was actually over an hour ago. Elijah said it was, asked, uh, it was 10 years ago, 2014, Oregon, Ohio state. Oh, there you go. Um, Elijah asked surprised to see Gabe Judy Lolly go to the NFL. Yeah. Late round pick or undrafted free agent. And Tony also mentioned Judy Lolly's not coming back. I'll, I'll be honest. I was really surprised by that too. I um, was too. Because I, I felt like the McCoy kid was probably going to play the star. Um, and then during the game, we started rotating Gabe Judy Lolly back to free safety some. And so I was like, hmm, maybe we're getting him ready for next year back there. Um, I was really surprised. So basically, when they were rotating him back to free safety, they were actually letting him show a different skill set for pro scouts. That's what really yep. was happening. Um, cause they, you know, that wasn't a surprise today. They knew before the game he was going to go. Um, so I thought that was just really interesting. I don't think it's a great choice by him. I think he could stand another year, put more on film, um, you know, put more on film in high level games that matter, um, against top 10 opponents. You know, if we can get to the playoff next year, he can show some games against some, some really impressive receivers. Um, so I don't know. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if he gets drafted. I feel like it's got to be undrafted free agent. Um, I, I would be very surprised. Who knows? Maybe, you know, all it takes is one, one NFL scout saying, I like that kid. We're going to draft that kid. And if that gets back to the player, that's sometimes all they need to hear. Um, you know, the other thing is you never know what their family situation is. You know, it may be something where he's betting on himself and he's like, I got to go be an undrafted free agent because we just need the money. And, you know, he may he may be making a personal, maybe a business decision. Um, you just never know what's going on behind the scenes with some guys. But um, I, I was really surprised by that. I felt like he was pretty much a lock to be back. Um, it probably means the McCoy kid's going to start at the other corner opposite Ricky Gibson. Um, I think the one thing that's really exciting about next year is whose name did we never hear called on Monday? Ricky Gibson. Um, if you're a corner and your name never, ever gets called during a game, that's a good sign. That means they didn't dare throw it at you. Um, so, you know, maybe that's a huge positive, um, but it would have been that's nice to point. Gabe come back. I think that's a great point about Ricky Gibson. And I I have nothing to add. I think you hit literally everything that I was thinking and I was going to say as well. Um, I, I don't think he'll get drafted. I think he'll be an undrafted free agent. Um, but like Rustin said, I mean, if, if word gets back that there is a team that wants, that is intrigued by you, then that's all it takes, you know? Yeah. Um, it just takes one team. And he is, to his credit, he is an excellent tackler uh, mm-hmm. at a, as a cornerback. And so, you know, teams are going to like that. I mean, you know, you got to get the dude on the ground. So um, I think I, I, I echo everything you just said. I mean, I think you just nailed it. And um, every, I totally agree. But I was shocked when he said he was leaving. I, yeah. I was really surprised. 
because I was I was banking on him being back too. Um, all right, Billy, here's your question from 9.04 p.m. I apologize it's taking us this long to get to it, but it was a great question, so I started to come back to it. He said, question, why do so many great players move on to other teams? To me, they should be faithful to the Vols. Uh, so, I mean, we're thinking about a lot of the de defense from this year. Uh, as far as transfers, all of them pretty much run the defensive side of the ball. Um, anybody on the offensive side of the ball who's not returning, they're just not – well, as of right now. <laughs> um, the people who have left – because there's still another transfer portal window that opens up in the spring. Um, hopefully we don't lose anybody then, but we might. People go through spring practice. They see – well, maybe I'm not so high up on the depth chart as I thought I was, and, and they end up leaving. Um, but the only one I think that we could look at and say, that one kind of hurts, is Tyler Barron. And But then we look at what the defensive line did yesterday, and we're like, well, maybe that doesn't hurt so bad. <laughs> um, but like most of the secondary that's leaving – I think we're going to upgrade with the talent that's behind them. And so I obviously none of us are in the the meetings and in the lot of the, you know, behind closed doors conversations, but I think that probably a couple of those may have not been a, they're just moving on to greener pastures. I think some of them may have been, Hey, you may want to move on because you know, you're going to be sitting behind this dude next year. And they were like, okay. And so it was a business decision for them to move on. Um, but I think that's a great question. What do you think, Rustin? I think a lot of it's what you just said. Um, you know, a lot of it's roster management. Um, you know, who's who's been the best recruiting class in the country for the last two, three years? Georgia? Yeah. I can't remember the exact number right now, but Georgia either has 13 or 14 players in the portal right now, and a huge percentage of them are four- and five-star kids. Um, and I think I just saw while we were live, they just lost another cornerback to the portal as well. Okay. You know, the reality is you've only got 22 spots. And if you're really good at recruiting and you've got a huge recruiting budget, which schools like Tennessee and Georgia and Alabama do, there's going to be guys that are highly touted that when they show up, it's just not ever going to happen because there's all, there's going to be lots of other guys that are just as talented. And, you know, the reality is they've all got people now, you know, they've all got advisors behind the scenes. Some of us exactly. call those agents. Um, you know, <laughs> but they've all got, they've all got advisors behind the scenes and, you know, their advisors are manipulating deals with other schools. You know, I mean, tonight, North Carolina State, Aiden White entered the portal. He's their top defensive back. He was all ACC first team last year. Why would that kid enter the portal? There's only one reason. Some school called his school or called his people and said, hey, if he'll enter the portal, we've got this much NIL money available. And we're sure NC State can't match that. So, you know, if he wants to come play for a year here, here's how much he'll get before he goes pro. I mean, let's not mince words. That school might have been Tennessee. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he may be a vault by next week. Yeah. So, you know, it's just the reality of, of the, the portal era and the NIL era that they're, everybody's on the open market all the time. I talk to yeah. so many coaches now who have become brokers for their former players, you know, because it's easier to call a high school coach. If you're the defensive backs coach at South Carolina, it's easier to call a high school coach and go, Hey, can you send word to so-and-so former player of yours that if he's not happy where he is, we got a spot for him. Um, yep. yeah, that stuff happens all the time now. Yep. Um, uh, when we were talking about Gabe Judy Lawley, Elijah said, you know, it's crazy because he would have been the quarterback number one next year. And that's mm-hmm. right. He would have been, uh, no doubt about it, potentially on a very high profile team. Um, let's see. Elijah said, Gibson's been a dude all year. Wish he had gotten more playing time through the season. Agreed. Yep. Uh, let's see. Carl said, even the announcer kept bringing that up, kept saying to test him. And, um, and you know, some of that's an announcer being ignorant. Like, there's coaches on the sideline who have reviewed a lot of film who are paid to win and lose games. And if they're not throwing at somebody, that's because on film they watched a guy, they're like, we ain't testing that one. <laughs> that's yeah. that's a loss waiting to happen right there. Um, you know, same thing happens with defensive linemen and linebackers. When you watch film, sometimes you walk away going, all right, we're not running to that side. Um, yeah. you know, even last night during the, um, Washington, Texas game, Cole Kubel kept talking about it. He kept saying, why are they running to the right side? Like they should only be pounding the left side. They're not going to make anything on the right side. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's just the reality of when you watch film, there's certain guys you're like, we ain't going at that. And yeah. I think Ricky Gibson sent that message. I think they were afraid of him. Uh, Fort rep one mentioned the same thing about the announcer talking about it. Um, let's see, uh, some, some, uh, dist, uh, disenchanted feelings about the Tennessee Titans and their relationship with Tennessee Vols are being expressed in the comments. That's a whole Um, episode by itself. Uh, the only thing you see, you know, maybe a reason why some of those players left was because they felt like Tennessee wasn't being loyal with their worth uh, as far as NIL. And that's, I mean, that's sure. definitely possible. Uh, definitely possible. The only problem uh, is there's only so many roster spots and there's only so much money to go around. So you have to prioritize, yeah. you know, and sometimes, sometimes the priority is, hey, we got to find three more offensive linemen to make sure Nico doesn't get punched in the mouth a hundred times next year. You know, so all of a sudden the priority Agreed. comes off of depth at linebacker because we got to go get guys here. Um, you know, it's just personnel decision-making that all these coaches have to make now, and it's it's terrible. Um, I would hate to be a college coach now. It's got to be miserable, um, yeah. you know, but it's their new reality. <laughs> well, not only are you a coach, but you're now a general manager as well. Um. So Elijah said, wouldn't be surprised to see Nathan Leacock enter the portal in the spring. Other than that, I really don't think anyone else on the offense leaves. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't either. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't foresee anybody leaving either. I would keep an uh, eye on Gerald Mincy. Okay. Lance Hurd um, entered the portal today at LSU. He's a five-star right tackle. Um, 
cousin of Jeremiah's herd who just signed with Tennessee. I haven't been overly impressed with Gerald Mincy for about two months now. And I would not be surprised if Lance Hurd entered the portal today because there's an open spot at right tackle that he can come take. Uh, let's see. Uh, speak when you're talking about people leaving Georgia, only Tennessee said not only that, Rustin, there are so many, only so many roster spots. Georgia had 30 recruits signed. They can't keep 95 scholarship athletes. Yep. Yeah, well, that's right. Tennessee baseball um, did the exact same thing. Tony Vitello had to cut almost 20 dudes over Christmas break. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> would you look at that? Would you look at that? Look at that. He's back. <laughs> Mr. Jones, welcome back. Welcome back. There's a welcome back Cotter reference for those who didn't catch it. Um, Mr. Jones, he said Nico should have started the entire season. Uh, Joe showed Nico exactly what not to do. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, Mr. Jones. When you watch Nico get lit up like a Christmas tree the whole first quarter with a makeshift offensive line, how would you have liked to have seen him at Florida with that makeshift offensive line? <laughs> um, Mr. Jones, it's great to see you again, buddy. We're glad you're here. Um, it, I'm, we've missed you, so we're glad you're back. <laughs> um, uh, I agree with you 100%. Yep. He said, I bet a bunch of weapons from the portal are going to want to play with Nico. Yeah. I agree, and I think that's why Chris Brazell is now a Tennessee ball. Um, I, I totally why, agree. Why Evan Stewart wanted to be here. Um, he said the O line would have been better at that point against Florida. Well, apparently they weren't because mm -hmm. they were, they, uh, they were a mash unit. Yeah. Cade Mays wasn't playing. Cooper. Mays. Um, uh, Florida was living in the backfield that game. Um, Elijah said, do you guys think we have a real shot at that offensive lineman from LSU? I know his cousin signed with us, but is that an actual reason to believe he'll come here? Yes. yes. And this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's family. Their their whole family can come to a game and watch a game together, watch watch their kids play. I mean, yeah. Look at Cade Mays' family. Um, Cooper Mays. Um, I think I called Cooper Cade earlier. My bad. Yeah. Uh, I fixed um, it when you said it. Uh, Carl said, is Evan Stewart not happening? Uh, it is not. Actually. We rescinded the offer. And then this evening when Brew announced he was returning, we all found out why. Um, Brew took that scholarship. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. Um, let's see. <laughs> Only 10 you see as a better option. I like and her option. Said, <laughs> I think we should get Evan Stewart and have Dante hit the portal since he can so since he can transfer twice now. Just saying. <laughs> uh, that's I'm true. So, that. I, so just so people understand, the only ten you see is actually a hundred percent correct. Uh, the NCAA signed a one year waiver. We'll see if it's just one year. It's not. It's not going to be just one year. Um, it's going to be lawyers involved. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no doubt that thing will end up being 
permanent. I'd be shocked if it doesn't. Yeah. But they they signed a, a thing for this upcoming season. Supposedly, it's just for the 2024 season. School, excuse me, academic year, 2024, 2025 academic year, that anybody uh, who has transferred more than once has essentially a a, a, a mulligan. Basically, they get a one year freebie and they can transfer anywhere and be eligible to play immediately. Um, that's what the only thing you see is referring to. So uh, she is right. Uh, that, that can happen. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Like I said, I will be shocked if that's just a one year thing. That's a dangerous precedent. And I think it's going to be permanent personally. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, she said, she also said, Mr. Jones would have started Nico with that offensive line earlier in the season, would have had Milton at the last quarter of the season anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. May, um, not have, may not have survived the Florida game. Could have happened a lot earlier. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, let's see here. JL said Evan Stewart is a diva. He is. Um, but he's a really good one. Yeah, Elijah said, would have loved to have had Stewart come here. He's such a good player. Um, Dante will be great for Nico. Maybe. Uh, if he catches the ball. Like, that's the thing. Like, he, he's, if we see the Dante Thornton that we were seeing at the last game before he got hurt, then yeah, for sure. Uh, Carl said, it's turned into free agency with no contracts uh, with that one-year waiver. I mean, essentially. Uh, yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. fair point. Um, <laughs> the only tenu sees cracking me up. This is amazing. She said some divas are necessary; otherwise, you become Mark Ricks, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow! That's awesome, and it's true, actually. But I mean, it is. It's mm-hmm. awesome. That's that's a great point. Uh, Elijah said, "Thank goodness for some college free agency." Mr. Jones, I agree with you about this. The hype is going to be absolute insanity leading in the next season. Yep. Uh, you're exactly right. Um, he, JL said divas are a locker room distraction more times than not. That's also fair. Very a lot true. of people, a lot of people are complaining about that college free agency, but honestly, if you're a Tennessee fan, you need to embrace it because we have as much or more NIL money as anybody. And we will absolutely pretty much always benefit from college free agency. <laughs> Mr. Jones, he said, Nico, notice how Nico ran for first downs instead of throwing it away and punting. <laughs> Again, he played Corn um, Vanderbilt. Yeah. Corn Vanderbilt. Iowa, that's pretty good. Northwestern's purple Vandy. Uh, Iowa can be corn Vandy. Let's see. Let's see here. Uh, so the last question, um, the last question that we had come through back at 946, which was almost an hour ago now. <laughs> um, HT14 said, who's going to be the number one wide receiver in your opinion? Oh, we have an alpha dog. He was the alpha dog this year. He will be the alpha dog next year. He ran that locker room, and when we lost him this year, it hurt everybody. 
Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Um, like I said, you know, I mean, it, the thing is, when Brew was healthy and it was third down, everybody knew where the ball was going. And it didn't matter. It still got to him and he still caught it. I mean, that's – there's a lot of value in that. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, here we are. It's third down. We got Brew lined up over there. All right, so we're going to throw it to him, and y'all are just going to deal with it. I mean, like, <laughs> like that's that's essentially what happened multiple times. I mean, you think about the last drive of the Bama game. I mean, my goodness. He goes up, gets a catch, gets down. We call a timeout, kick a field goal, win the game. Uh, the opening drive of the South Carolina game, and I hate to bring that game up because that's the game he got hurt in, but the opening drive of that game, it was we had two plays right out the gate, and neither one of them did anything. So on, it was like third and eight. Boom, we hit Brew first down. Where the drive keeps going. I mean, like it, that would have been a three and out to start the game, and instead, Brew, and we got a first down. So every team needs a Jawan Jennings. Every team needs a guy that has no issue getting in everybody else's face when it's needed and make it very known what's about to happen. And we had that guy up until Brew went down, and people just have no idea the value of what he brought to that locker room. Like he is, and Keenan Peely, like he, Peely's very, very similar in, in personality. Like neither of them have any issue getting in somebody's face and saying, you're going to do this and this is how it's going to happen. Um, you know, and we needed that because we didn't have anybody else on offense who, who was like that. Even if you look at the offensive line, there's nobody with that personality. Um, to some extent, Javante Spragans, but for whatever reason, he didn't really use it very often. Brew had no issue just telling people what's what. Um, and that was how Juwan Jennings was. And you need a guy like that. It's it's vital. And when he went down, nobody stepped up and replaced it. And I mean, you could see it. Our offense became so much more passive when, when Brew went down. And I, I think what we're going to see is a much more aggressive, honestly, a little bit of a butthole group that doesn't mind to tell you all about it after they beat you. And, you know, we, we need that. If we're going to be an aggressive, up-tempo, high-scoring team, we need a few butt kickers that are willing to tell you about it after they after they torch you. Um, and that's that's what Brew brings to the table, and they feed off him. And it's he is 100% the alpha in that room. Elijah said it's Brew, and it's not even a question. Mr. Jones said squirrel, and then he said Brew, the, the real McCoy. Um, let's see. Carl said, Brew doesn't take a playoff. And he's exactly, and he it, he is including when he doesn't catch the ball. And he doesn't allow anybody else to either. Like if he catches you, like watch it closely. If he catches you taking plays off, he'll tell you about it. Well, and who is who is Tennessee's best perimeter downfield blocker? It's Brew. I mean, like um, you think about the play, was it against South Carolina where Brew essentially escorted McAllen Castles to the end zone. Yep. Uh, I mean, like he, he just, he it just escorted him down the field. There's yep. a dude, he blocked, he blocked a dude for like 20 or 30 yards and it just kept pushing the guy back. And McAllen just went straight down the field and down the sideline, scored a touchdown. And when it was happening, you felt like you were watching Juwan Jennings all over again, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the yeah. kind of thing he would have done. It's, you know, 
DBs were terrified if Juwan was out pass or run blocking. They knew he was coming for their heads. Um, you know, and that's that's how Brew is. He's he's a scary dude. Absolutely. Uh, Elijah liked um, Elijah liked what you said about they're going to beat him and not care not care about telling him how bad they're going to beat him. He said 2021 Tennessee baseball yep. 2.0 personality was. <laughs> it's uh, Jeff, it's it's the it's the mentality they've got to have if they're going to be the aggressor they need to be able to back it up and tell them about it. Uh, Jeff said we need that dog from Brew. Yep, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Zach. Uh, Zach said, I smell something in the air. What is it? Oh, wait, it's a 16 0 season in a natty. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Uh, the only team you see said, Javantez just barks at the other teams, not his own teammates. Um, JL said he wears that number 15 proudly, which was the same number as Juwan Jennings. That's right. I think it needs to become a an almost a tradition where whoever the biggest honor on the team is gets number 15 mm-hmm. every year. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Carl said, Christian McCaffrey said Jennings is the best blocking receiver in the NFL. Uh, I believe it. He terrifies. It's amazing. You watch the 49ers play. He still terrifies DBs. Like when he comes off the line, they're always like their heads on swivel. They're always looking for him. They know he's out there somewhere. They're scared of him. Uh, Let's see. Mr. Jones says Nico has moves like Jagger. He's more elusive than even Hendon Hooker was. Yeah. I think that's I true. don't know. He glides. It's not, it's not, it doesn't look fast, but he's a glider. And he's one of those guys that when he's running, you're like, how's he pulling away from people? It looks like they're all running the same speed, but he's not. It just well, looks I'll, effortless. I'll give you that. He's definitely smoother when he runs than Hendon was. Hendon was never smooth when he ran. Yeah. But Hendon was pretty shifty. Mm-hmm. Um, he was pretty shifty. Uh, Tri Cities Vol said, "On my way back from basketballs, look pretty decent tonight." Hey, that's what I'm talking about. I'm glad you were there. I'm glad you're joining us. Um, yeah, it's a 37 point win. It's always a good win, no doubt about it. Um, Elijah said he's also six, Nico is also six foot six, so it looks slower. Sure. I mean, I get that, but I mean, he's definitely smoother. There's, I mean, there's no arguing that at all. Um, Zach says smooth like butter. Only time you see said Nico feels pressure better. Now I will say, okay, I'm glad you said that because that that play he ended up getting sacked because he got surrounded by so many people. But there was one play in particular where he had a dude essentially with a free run at him, and Nico stepped up in the pocket and totally avoided him. I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah. And then he got surrounded by other dudes, but that was that was impressive. He does have an uncanny pocket awareness, even from his blind side. Like he feels things. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's what the special ones have. It's not everybody can feel that. And that's, that's definitely something that's different. Yeah. I just said he has the best pocket awareness he's ever seen from a freshman. Mr. Jones said he's mature for his first start ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, the fact that he had zero turnovers proves that to be true. Yeah. Um, That was, that was impressive. JL said, Shanahan said that they were probably holding Jennings back on what he could do. A lot of talent on the 49ers team. Yeah. Um, so, 
so many more things we could get excited about when we think about for next year of, of the, the, especially on the offensive side of the ball, all the weapons that are going to be there. Let's just hope we get a good left guard and, uh, you know, that they don't have a lot of, a lot of time for Nico in the backfield to, to do a little something, something with the ball and, and get it distributed to who it needs to go to. Uh, Zach said, I love the show, guys. We need to go to bed. <laughs> love you. I love you too, Zach. Uh, so we're going to we. go to bed too. Um, it is an early morning in the morning. So, um, Mr. Jones said, Heupel's offense demands a dual threat quarterback. Nico is going to be a beast. Um, you know, I think we saw that yesterday too. I agree. Um, we hope everybody have a, has a great, great evening. Rustin, you have anything else um, that you want to add? No. Uh, only Tennessee said, enjoy it. Everyone got to go. Night, night. Love you bunches. Love you too. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, we appreciate everybody joining us. And hey, in all seriousness, we really do wish a fantastic uh, 2024 to all of you. Um, it's awesome. Uh, the community that we feel like we have here <clears throat> and we, I mean, this show wouldn't be as much anywhere near as much fun without you guys. And so we really, really do appreciate all of you. Um, a couple last comments that came through. Elijah said, I truly think next year will be the most talented team Tennessee has had in a very long time. I agree with that. 2016 was a pretty talented team as well, but I agree with you. Uh, he's coach Josh Heupel went 11 and two with a roster that was way less talented than this one. Very true. That's a fantastic point. And I'm glad mm-hmm. you said that. Uh, Mr. Jones said, bet you hundred percent. We'll have a top 10 offense again. I mean, I agree. Uh, totally agree. Uh, JL said top three offense. Uh, Bobby said, happy new year. Go being Hey, welcome Bobby. Glad to have, glad you're with us, man. Thank you so much. Uh, hey, mayhem. It was good to see you, buddy. Um, Congratulations on y'all's win. Uh, y'all played extremely well. Uh, it's good to see you, man. Uh, Mr. Jones said top 10 team to start next year. I would also agree with that. I think that's a very fair assessment. Uh, I would not be shocked if Tennessee was like number eight or nine, maybe 10, uh, to start the season next year. I think that's very fair. Um. Elijah said, also off topic, but I'm glad to see you guys consistently grow on the show. I remember joining when you had like six viewers. I love the show. I'm very happy when I'm able to join. We appreciate that, man. We we love it when you join. Uh, we love when people join us. We love seeing returning people and consistent. Um, I mean, that's, that's I love it. Uh, it. It's so much fun seeing it grow, and, and I agree. It, it, it's great. Um. Carl said they hate us right now. They have us at number 21. Yeah, we'll see after the last thing comes out. But next year, I would venture to guess. I'm gonna say I'm gonna predict number nine. I'll go I'll I'll say that one. I think we'll, we'll start at number nine. Um Mayhem said, is Nico gonna live up to the hype? So Mayhem, it's a great question. And I think my answer would have to be yes, not and it's not because of Nico, it's because of the tools he's gonna have around him. Uh he'll have a, a veteran offensive line and just a plethora of target, you know, weapons on the perimeter and in the backfield. So I think that's why it's going to be a successful season for him is because of the weapons they'll have around him. Um, Elijah said, I started a new job recently, so I should be able to join way more often. Hey, that's awesome, man. I'm glad. That's great. Um, Jeff, appreciate you, Mr. Jones. <laughs> 
but we uh we appreciate everybody joining us so much seriously it's been a lot of fun uh this is i think our longest show ever that's great that's awesome yep um so uh we uh we appreciate everybody joining us um I don't even know we're going live again next. <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about that beforehand. This is our first show back from Christmas break, essentially. So uh, just I'd say, I'd say let's get back on the Thursday, Sunday circuit. So we'll maybe, wait, maybe wait till Sunday because Tennessee plays um, yeah. Ole Miss Saturday. Yeah, I think that's the best. I think it's the best plan. So we'll see everybody on Sunday. Uh, I just said good night, guys. Glad it was a longer show than usual. Happy New Year! Absolutely, man. Happy New Year, uh, Mr. Jones is correct. The basketballs are playing, so we'll we'll get back to them. Um, hey, Carl, you are the man. He said y'all go to their site, thevolbros.com, uh, coffee mugs, t-shirts, etc. And now we also own the domain volbros.com, so you can do both. Either way, you get there. Just click on shop up in the top right corner. Tons of great stuff. Um, Mr. Jones said, can Nico play basketball? <laughs> he can play volleyball. <laughs> um, so he could maybe, maybe we could do that in his spare time, but, uh, we appreciate everybody so much. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, we'll, we'll end with the football outro for the last time for, for several months, probably. So, um, we'll see everybody on Sunday night, nine o'clock Eastern. And we'll, we'll, hopefully everybody will see you then have a great evening, everybody.